This ADN Politics Podcast is brought to you by Steam.Coffee, where we source, roast, and present the finest coffees possible. From the Anchorage Daily News, this is ADN Politics, a podcast navigating Alaska's changing and sometimes wild political landscape. I'm your host, Elizabeth Harbaugh. Anchorage Mayor Dave Bronson has been no stranger to controversy in the year and a half since he took office. But last week, the former municipal manager sent a letter to the mayor and other city officials that landed like a bomb in the middle of city politics. It contained a list of accusations against the mayor and his close associates, ranging from unethical behavior to outright illegal acts. ADN reporter Emily Goodykunz and Kyle Hopkins with ADN and ProPublica have been covering this story and are here to explain what happened so far and what's ahead for Anchorage. Emily and Kyle, welcome, and thanks for being here. Good morning. Good morning. It's hard to know where to start, but let's go with the day Anchorage Municipal Manager Amy Dimboski left City Hall. Emily, that day, what did and didn't we know about why Amy Dimboski was fired? Well, we did not know much. Mayor Bronson did not give a reason for her sudden departure. It was a abrupt announcement, and we did know that it marked a massive shift for the administration and its leadership. Up until that day, Amy Domboski and the mayor had appeared to be working in lockstep. She often spoke for the mayor during assembly meetings and heated debates, and it was clear that he very much relied on her as city manager up until then. So, Kyle, can you give us a little bit of background here? Who is Amy Dabosky? So, Amy Dabosky, in the you know, like in the cast of characters of Alaska politics, she's well known both you know statewide and and in Anchorage. Former assembly member, a conservative representing Eagle River Chugiak, uh, a conservative radio talk show host. She worked in a couple of different capacities in the Dunleavy administration and then transitioned from that into basically running day-to-day operations of the city for the past two years under Bronson. And Emily, after Domboski left the Bronson administration, we reached out to her, of course, and somewhat to our surprise, she said she wanted to talk. We should start first. Why did Domboski decide to talk to us and other media that day? It happened after a political news website published an anonymously sourced account of the reasons for her firing. The website said she had been fired after an incident in which she referred to the purchasing director, Rochelle Alger, using a vulgar term, and that it had been the culmination of a long-running conflict between the two of them. Amy Domboski said that that was not the reason for her firing. She perceived that as an attempt by the administration to leak information to besmirch her name. She used Uh, that word besmirch, right? Yes, she used the word besmirch. And, you know, she had been bringing to the mayor's attention, this is what she told us, some serious issues going on in the administration with contracting and with a hostile work environment. And so she claimed that the firing had nothing to do with the incident outlined in the blog. 
Yes. She she claimed that she had been well known by the mayor to use strong language and that the mayor had, in, in fact, told her that he was not going to fire her over this incident. And she had sent the mayor emails outlining her various concerns and that he fired her in retaliation for attempting to bring these to light. That wasn't the end of it, of course. Uh, Fast forward a few weeks to the letter. On January 12th, Domboski, through her lawyer, sends this scorching demand letter to Mayor Bronson and members of the Assembly. Kyle, can you talk us through some of the accusations outlined in that letter? There's a lot in there, but what are the top line points? Yeah, the accusations run the gamut. There's accusations related to contracting, that the mayor was personally pushing for uh, sole source contracts to be signed that were in violation of city code, that he had fired an employee who had refused to swing a contract to an associate, uh, a close associate of the mayor, that he and his advisor, Larry Baker, had pressured a city employee to sign off on millions of dollars of construction work on the Homeless Navigation Center, knowing full well that it was in violation of city code and with the expectation that if someone took the fall, it would be this employee. There were many allegations involving Larry Baker, including that Baker had leaned on, had asked the city attorney to drop criminal charges, pending criminal charges that had been filed by the city against Baker's business partner. And then some general allegations of uh, sexist work environment, that women are treated differently, that there are different expectations for how women will speak and men will speak within that office. And then finally, that that no action was taken when a city employee brought in a bunch of penis-shaped cookies uh, to the workplace and that, that everyone looked the other way. And, and I guess we should establish, what was the purpose of this letter? Why did this letter get sent in the first place? The letter is a threat. It's a threat to sue. It is a demand letter. So uh, Domboski is saying, all right, I need an apology. I need you to not besmirch me <laughs> um, or I'm going to file a, a, a lawsuit. And so, you know, which could be the accusation could be that she was filed for whistleblowing. You know, there's lots of avenues for her to kind of to file a suit. But it is it is she makes some specific demands, including just a straight up apology from Bronson. Emily, how much of what was in that letter was surprising and new? The letter was shocking to the public and to many members of the assembly. The level of detail in the letter coming from a top official who is, you know, a credible source who likely has the receipts to back up a lot of the claims she is making was taken with a great deal of concern. We had seen some of the allegations in the letter previously reported. We'd reported on the situation with fluoride when the mayor shut off the fluoride one afternoon early into his term as mayor. And it's required by city code that our drinking water be fluoridated. We knew that, but really what the letter described for the first time was it gave a kind of behind-the-scenes look into a lot of serious issues within the administration. Kyle, what has been the follow-up from the letter so far? First, what has the Bronson administration had to say about it? They've said nothing, really. You know, we had been asking questions on some related reporting, had not been getting answers to those questions. The letter comes out, 
And really all we've gotten publicly is this blanket statement from the mayor and others in City Hall that's, that say, well, we've been advised by the city attorney not to comment because of pending litigation, which, you know, to be precise, there isn't, no, no litigation has been filed. So it's, they could talk about it if they wanted to, but, uh, but they're not. How about the Anchorage Assembly, Emily? The Assembly majority has been in conflict with the Bronson administration on a lot of fronts. How are they reacting to this situation and what are they talking about doing? The Assembly is taking this letter and the allegations within it very seriously. A few weeks before, when Domboski was fired and she first said that she was fired in retaliation for bringing up her concerns with the mayor, the Assembly said it would begin an inquiry into the administration's practices around contracting and purchases because a lot of the concerns had to do with just that. And the Assembly is fairly limited in what it can do. It's our legislative body, so you know, it can change city code, make laws, and it controls the city's budget, its funding. Um, so it makes appropriations. Now, after the letter came out, it really lit a fire among the assembly to accelerate the work that they had already begun doing to look into these claims. And, you know, we don't exactly know what's going to happen next. Assembly leadership has scheduled a couple meetings to meet with lawyers and go over what they can and can't do, what's within their power. And I think after that, we'll uh, see some action. They are working on something, but we don't know exactly what. And they're waiting for advice from their lawyers. But we do know that over the summer, the Assembly passed an ordinance that codified a process for removing a mayor for a breach of a public trust. So there's the possibility that we could see the Assembly issue subpoenas to city employees to try to get to the bottom of this, but we don't yet know exactly what they will do. That's a good place to take a quick break. Uh, When we return, we will dig into one of the more specific accusations in A.B. Dombowski's letter. At Steam.Coffee, we're proud to support great journalism and we're proud of our pursuit of great coffee. We search the world for the finest raw materials and then roast them to perfection at our Anchorage headquarters. All with one thing in mind, the finest coffee possible in your cup. Come visit us at either of our Anchorage cafes or online at steamdot.com. We're back talking to ADN reporters Kyle Hopkins and Emily Goody Kuntz. I want to turn to some reporting we published over the weekend that dove much deeper into one of the allegations in A.B. Nimboski's letter. And that involves something that she said happened between one of Bronson's top advisors, Larry Baker, and a commercial real estate broker named Brandon Sporhase and the municipal attorney. Kyle, can you tell us more about who Larry Baker and Brandon Sporhase are and what is their relationship? Well, Larry Baker's been a player in the world of Anchorage politics and Anchorage business for generations. In the 70s, he created or he opened the first Burger King franchise and he went on to own multiple Burger Kings. He later became an assembly member, so he served on the assembly. He was elected to the state legislature for a term. When Mayor Dan Sullivan was elected, he became chief of staff for the mayor for six years, so was really at the kind of pinnacle at the top of city government throughout two terms. And then, you know, he had retired, he declared a bankruptcy, he had kind of, uh, at least publicly, uh, we hadn't heard much from him. When the issue of, or the idea 
that the Golden Lion Hotel was going to be used as a treatment center or for like uh, as a homeless solution. Baker lives in the subdivision that neighbors the Golden Lion. He lives 1,700 feet away from, from the Golden Lion. Not that we counted or anything. Right. And, um, well, the significance being that he created a nonprofit around that time with some others who lived in that area that was called like real cures to, to homelessness and became, and became part of that debate, right? Because the Golden Lion proposal became a flashpoint in the debate over where do we put the uh, unhoused people? Where do we put treatment centers? What's the solution to this decades-old problem? So then when Mayor Bronson was elected, Baker played a key role. He was, he was co-chair of the transition team, and then he was hired in a series of contracts to be a senior policy advisor to the mayor and one of his most prominent roles was as a negotiator on the homeless team. So he was he was helping to decide where we would be placing the homeless. And how about Brandon Sporhase? What do we know about him? Sporhase uh, is forty years younger, right? He's a he's a whole generation back. But Baker and Sporhase are uh, connected at the hip financially. In two thousand fifteen, they both created a series of businesses called BSI for Baker Sporhays Investments, including a, a consulting business, a commercial properties business. And there's a mix of ownership, but the rela- relationship would be that they co-own a, a commercial properties business and Brandon Sporhays is the broker. So he holds the broker's license. And Baker is kind of the a well-connected p- politico. And that, that business has been prominent in Anchorage for the past five or six years. Emily, anything to add here? While Larry Baker was chief of staff for Mayor Dan Sullivan, we also saw Brandon Sporhays appointed to the Planning and Zoning Commission, which is a significant part of city government. So, Emily, what do we know about what happened between Baker, Sporhays, and the former city attorney? We know that Amy Domboski has accused Baker of attempting to influence former municipal attorney Patrick Burke to drop or reduce charges against his business partner, Brandon Sporhays, in a series of domestic violence cases that had been filed. We also know that Amy Domboski accused Baker of attempting to get her to not hire the victim in these cases, who is Colby Hickel, the city's deputy municipal manager. Kyle, so what is Sporhays accused of, and, and what's the status of those cases? So the, the root of the criminal charges against Sporhays, they, they go back to 2019, and they involve Sporhays and a woman, Colby Hickel, who would later become a city employee. And so in the summer of 2019, um, they had been dating there was an incident at her home that became the subject of a protective order that she filed. So Colby Hickel files a request for a long-term protective order that's granted. And it has to do with there's a night at her home where she had accused Sporhase of hitting her with a meat stick, of following her from room to room, of breaking down a door that she had locked to her bedroom. And so the, those allegations, they not only lead to a protective order being granted, but they also lead to city charges against Sporhase. And the way that works is the city of Anchorage files the misdemeanor charges. So he was accused in three separate cases of misdemeanor DV and a mix of violating protective orders, uh, criminal mischief, which was damaging the door, DV assault, like a misdemeanor assault. And those cases, those are all resolved. Um, those ca- the, the city cases are all closed now. And, and he had pleaded no contest to breaking down the door, which is a criminal mischief charge, and he had pleaded no contest to violating a protective order 
And then a series of other, uh, some of the other counts were, were dismissed, which is not uncommon in, in misdemeanor cases. And then separately, he's facing a felony charge that was brought by the state because state prosecutors are the ones who charge you with a felony. So that case is still open. He's awaiting trial on a charge of felony stalking. And so let's talk a little bit about your reporting process. Kyle, we'll start with you. How did you go about filling in the story of what was happening between Baker, Sporhase, and City Hall? Well, the accusation that the mayor's advisor, that like essentially a member of the mayor's cabinet, the allegation that he had tried to step on, had tried to kill criminal charges that were pending against his business partner felt like one of the more serious accusations and one that, you know, in terms of triage of reporting, that's one that you want to vet and kind of understand first. So, um, you know, we put together a timeline of events. We spent a lot of time at the courthouse, you know, pulled every file for every city case, uh, the felony case. You know, there's a nuance there where one of the city cases had already been dismissed. There were two counts of violating conditions of release that had been dismissed. And so that case, if you look on court view, that case doesn't exist to the public. But there's a thing where you can go to the courthouse and you can search cases that have been dismissed. And so we like we pulled that file. We got the audio from many of the hearings, the protective order. So a lot of just kind of document gathering, making a timeline, trying to understand, okay, what's being alleged here? What's the status of these cases? How are they resolved? A lot of that just kind of you know, meat and potatoes <laughs> um, reporting before we then, you know, went to the city and started asking questions. Emily, anything to add there? Yeah, you know, we spent a lot of time talking with as many people as possible, current and former City Hall employees, to try and fill in some of those gaps about what exactly did or didn't happen, what they had seen and heard, and just to try and suss out if these allegations really had um, a lot of merit to them. You know, part of that process, I think, was just trying to talk to everyone who would have had firsthand knowledge of the of what happened. Exactly. You know, what did you see? What did you hear? What was documented? What emails might exist? Emily had already filed records requests for all of Baker's contracts, which, you know, we, we finally got those the other day. Uh, Emily filed a records request for all the emails to and from the city attorney that might involve Sporhase and this allegation that Amy had made that his lawyer reached out and said, hey, Larry said to reach out. We're still waiting the results of that records request. Okay, Emily, so if this incident in Naboski's letter happened, Baker leaned on the municipal attorney to drop or reduce charges against Sporhase. Why would he do that? What What is the motivation there? Well, the two are very financially intertwined, and they're also close friends. Now, it's hard to guess at someone's motivation, but we do know that Brandon Sporhase holds the broker's license for their business, and that's something that is key to being able to buy and sell real estate. We also know that it just really doesn't look good for their business to have one of the main partners in it convicted of domestic violence charges. And the charges that Brandon Sporhase did plead to, he pled no contest, those are domestic violence charges, and that's significant. Kyle, What do we know for sure about Mayor Dave Bronson's involvement in all of this? Well, we know that he was aware that Larry Baker's business partner um, was facing charges of domestic violence at the time that Bronson took office, um, at the time that the uh, victim, the named victim in that case, was hired to work in City Hall, and that Sporhase was not allowed to come to City Hall. Uh, You know, he was literally wearing an ankle monitor and couldn't come into the building, right? So, like... 
you know, Bronson was well aware of the cases against Borges, of the tension, of the in- inherent conflict of having the victim working at City Hall and having his business partner be the defendant in the case. Um, and we know that because he talked about it openly in City Hall. He wasn't shy about mentioning this case on the eighth floor. We know that he was aware that Sporhays was appointed to a city committee that he had created, that the mayor had created, um, an advisory committee that Sporhays was appointed to with the mayor's awareness. And at that point, we're now into 2021. These cases have been pending for a couple of years. Most of them are on court view. It was knowable that Sporhays had these pending criminal charges. You know, Sporhays had written a column for the Anchorage Daily News, you know, in 2018, 2019. And that relationship ended because of these pending cases in 2019. So, like, there already were people, t- people already were kind of taking action as a result of these criminal charges. So, Emily, did Sporhase have a role at all in city government during this time? Not exactly, but we do know that on the mayor's first day in office, he announced the creation of this advisory committee. And it's an advisory committee to the Anchorage Community Development Authority. And we know that on his first day in office, he announces that he's creating this, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic and, you know, where the city is really going to focus on revitalizing our economy. And we've got a whole list of people who are going to be on this committee. And a lot of them are the who's who in Anchorage, right? And a few months later, Sporhase starts showing up in these committee meeting minutes. And he had been appointed by the ACD director, Mike Robbins, to this advisory committee a few months later. And um, that the mayor was aware of this appointment. You know, Mike Robbins did say that um, in an email to Kyle. So he was not exactly in city government, but he was given a role. And, has, and and resigned as soon as we started asking questions about yes, it. Yes, that's you know, another thing. You know, this, this committee is announced with some fanfare. The the uh, the roster of the membership is announced, but Sporhays was not announced. He was added pretty quietly about a month later. And then resigns once we start asking questions. So, Emily, have the mayor, Larry Baker, Brandon Sporhays, or the municipal attorney, have any of them had anything to say about all these accusations? No, we've reached out to Baker multiple times with phone calls, texts, and he declined to answer our questions, declined an interview, and directed us to the city hall spokesman for the mayor. Likewise, the mayor has also declined to answer our specific questions and declined an interview. Former municipal attorney Patrick Burke also declined to speak publicly. Kyle, anything to add there? On the side of Sporhase, uh, he has a couple of defense lawyers, right? He's got two attorneys who entered uh, appearances on his behalf in these various cases. Um, one is Kevin Fitzgerald, this um, kind of well-known former prosecutor. Uh, Fitzgerald said that he never asked Larry Baker to intervene in the case, that he never urged Larry to reach out on his behalf, and that he unequivocally, you know, denies having uh, any involvement in what Amy's alleging. There's a, a second lawyer, Michael Branson, who said no comment and said that Sporhase would have no comment. I want to finish up by backing up a little bit. Emily, Dimboski's firing and her letter have all been a pretty remarkable turn of events, but it's been a roller coaster year in general for city politics. Where does this leave us as a city? How is city government going to function going forward? 
I think there's a lot of real questions and concern about that happening with the public and among assembly members. You know, we know that the assembly is still moving forward and doing its job and looking into these questions of liability, especially around contracting practices. And it's meeting with the city attorneys to find out what really can be done. I think that we've seen a lot of people leave this administration, even those appointed by the mayor. We've seen a lot of resignations, a lot of turnover. We know that the city is struggling with staffing issues. And to be fair, many businesses in Anchorage are as well, but the city government is in charge of keeping our city running, plowing our streets, taking care of our parks. I think that there's a lot of questions that our assembly members and us as reporters will be trying to get to the bottom of to answer. Kyle, anything to add as we wrap up here? All I would add is that, you know, it feels like the beginning of a long reporting process. There are a lot of accusations in those letters. There are a lot of unanswered questions. A lot of people who can answer those questions. So, like, I would say the the shingle is out, the door is open uh, for anyone who, want, you know, who works for the city or has knowledge of the stuff to come talk to us confidentially. Uh, I definitely would put that call out. Uh, well, we'll put that invitation out there for sure. That is a good place to end. Emily, Kyle, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to ADN Politics. You can subscribe to the show in whichever podcast app you're listening to right now. You can keep up with the rest of our coverage on ADN.com. And you can subscribe to ADN there, which is the best way to support our work, including this show. Thanks to our guests today, ADN reporter Emily Goodykunz and Kyle Hopkins with ADN and ProPublica. This episode was produced with help from Zachariah Hughes and Evan Phillips. Our music is by Evan Phillips. David Hewlin is our editor. And I'm your host, Elizabeth Harbaugh. See you next week. Thanks for listening. This episode of ADN Politics was brought to you by Steam.Coffee, where we source, roast, and present the finest coffees possible.